Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for this morning. Your name is glorified in this meeting. And we know that you will have your way. Blessed be God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, please be seated. It's time for the word. It's time for the word. Hallelujah. I love the word. Father, brood over these words. We have no words but that which you put on my lips. Let a spirit of revelation fall upon your people and enlighten us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, we want to continue with our teaching. I'm, I'm going to try my best to finish um, the series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Trusting God that from next week we're going to be dealing with Christian maturity. Which is a subject I can't wait to start teaching because it's a very powerful message. Hallelujah. Now, if you were here last two weeks, we began to look at um, actually this year's theme is our year of the spirit life. And no child of God can live the spirit life without first of all knowing who the Holy Spirit is. Like our brother was saying during the recap, we are in the era of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, there was the era where the father took responsibilities. He showed himself more because that was his era. In dealing with Israel, in the four Gospels, we saw the era of Jesus Christ when he came on earth through incarnation and he died, was raised from the dead and ascended. And when he left, he gave us the spirit. Now, do you remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? Now, what we saw in the story of Elijah and Elisha is that Elisha was like a disciple to Elijah. In 2 Kings chapter 2, when it was time for Elijah to leave, Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. It was not double portion anointing. It was a double portion of his spirit, which was actually a firstborn blessing that is given to a firstborn child. Praise God. According to the Jewish people, if a man has, let's say, um, five plots of land and then he has four children right there's going to be one plot left according to the jewish custom the firstborn takes the double portion so he will give three lands to his three children but the firstborn will take the last two so that was a double portion elisha was asking for it wasn't that it was a double portion anointing. What he was asking is that the double portion is always given to the firstborn. So that was what he was asking. Are you getting that? 
And Elijah said to him, you have asked a very difficult thing. In, typo in typology, he knew what he was saying. He has asked for a very difficult thing. But nevertheless, when you see me go, you shall have it. When Elijah was taken by chariots and he ascended, he dropped a mantle. Elijah took it, rent his old clothes and put on the mantle of Elijah and splashed the Jordan River with it. And he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Now, you may think that these were ordinary things that happened, but it was not ordinary. Elijah was a type of Christ. Elijah was a type of the church. Praise God. Praise God. So, just like Elijah was about to ascend, Elijah asked for a double portion. Jesus said, believe in me. Okay? He says, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And what? Greater works. Elijah had a double portion. We do greater works. So, he's saying, now remember, all the miracles that Elijah did, that Elijah did, Elijah did twice of it. So, actually, what Christ did, we do greater. Oh, someone getting this thing. But the equation is very simple. When Elijah ascended, he dropped a mantle. When Christ ascended, he dropped the spirit. So, we have more than a mantle. Are you getting this thing? We have more than a mantle. We have a person. So, just like he dropped the mantle, the, Jesus dropped a person. And the first thing he did was to rent his clothes. That means there is an involvement in putting off the old man. He splashed the Jordan. Oh, this is good. Jordan means redemption. Which means when the Holy Ghost comes, he will open the realities of redemption so you can walk in it. So Elijah walked in Jordan divided, which was actually a type. So the mantle that was dropped was actually a picture of the spirit. So after Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And I explained to you the other time about the triune works of the spirit. And I explained to you concerning the triune offenses against the Holy Spirit that we can commit. We also began to look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because now listen. If we are in the era of the Holy Spirit. And you don't know the Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll suffer. You'll struggle. I'm telling you. Many are conversant with the Father. Many are conversant with the Son. But few know the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. With you all. Which means... The Father is in charge of love. Son is in charge of grace. The Holy Ghost is in charge of fellowship. So anything that has got to do with your fellowship with God, the Holy Ghost is the one who masters it. He pioneers it. He enables it. He activates it. Are you getting this thing? So you can't have a successful communion with God without the Spirit. Your dealings with God are enabled by the Spirit. Which means if you don't know the Holy Spirit, you will have a problem dealing with God. I'm teaching good. So, we 
we're looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We looked at about three or four of them. So we said the first ministry of the Holy Spirit is to make us know what has freely been given to us by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the verse 12. The Bible says, You did not receive the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, died that you may know the things that are freely given. So hear me. There are things that have been freely given to us by God. But if you don't know these things, you may walk as a slave. So one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to make us know the things that are freely given to us by God. And everything we have free is because Jesus paid. I get in. Now there was a time I went to... Um, um, lunch somewhere. After I was done eating, I was going to make payment and then I was told that, no, you don't need to. I said, ah, I just finished. I'm supposed to pay. He says, no, somebody has paid. The food I ate was free, but it was not free because it was free. It was free because what? Someone paid. You see, that's what people have not understood about grace. Grace is free, but not cheap. It is free because your effort is not involved. It is not cheap because someone paid with a heavy price. Are you getting this thing at all? So, there are things freely given to us. They are not free because they are there. No, they are free because someone purchased it with his blood. So, the things that Jesus Christ purchased for us, the Holy Ghost makes them known to us. Praise God. And it's very important that you know the things that are freely given to us by God. One of them is righteousness. Right, see, you are not righteous, first of all, by what you do. You are first righteous by who you are. Righteousness is a gift that is given by Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says that God, the Bible says that um, as many as receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life through the one Jesus. So righteousness is a gift of God. In the Old Testament, you were called righteous because you obeyed the law. And we all know nobody could obey the law till Jesus came. So now Jesus obeyed and fully fulfilled the law so that your faith in him is actually receiving the gift of righteousness. So in the New Testament, we don't live righteous. We don't become righteous by living righteously. We become righteous by impartation of the gift of Jesus. And that righteousness empowers us to do what is right. Are you following that? Now, have you noticed, okay, in the Old Testament, which is the book of Genesis, the fourth question that was asked in the Bible was, where are you? Adam, where are you? The next that followed was Eve. What have you done? It was not the opposite. After Adam sinned, the question that was asked first was, where are you? Followed by, what have you done? Which means that where you are, position is more important than what you do. Because if where you are is right, what you do will align. If you know you are the president of Ghana by position, you will know how to conduct yourself. A president will not be we in the gutter. So, 
your position influences your conduct. So, we are not righteous because we did righteous things. The Bible says our righteousness are but filthy rags. We do right things because we are righteous. It's a free gift. If you don't know this, you try to use your strength to please God. It won't work. You try to use your strength to bulldoze your way. And unfortunately, you know there are people who believe you have to do the Ten Commandments before you are declared righteous. You have a long way to go. For information, the Ten Commandments is not ten. The Ten Commandments was only a subset of the law. Which is called civil law. There was ceremonial law. Huh? So, there, there were different categories of laws and ordinances. And the Ten Commandments was only one of them. In total, the law itself was 613. And if you disobey one, you have disobeyed all. And if you obey one, you must obey all to be declared righteous. And one of the laws stated that you can't wear two or more fabrics at the same time. Question, how many fabrics are you wearing now? There was a law that stated that you, you can't shave. So if you're a man, you have to leave your beard. If you shave, you sinned. There was a law that stated that you can't touch a dead body. How many mosquitoes have you killed this week? Dead cockroaches and mounds. Rats that you picked up. So people don't see how serious the law is. So when Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, you should appreciate him. So in the New Testament, righteousness is first a gift. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. So righteousness is a making by God. Are you following this thing? So it is part of the free gift we have. Redemption, salvation, free gifts, gifts of the spirit, free gifts. The Holy Ghost makes us know them. And it does them through the word of God. Please, are you following? That's number one. The second ministry of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to commune with God. Philippians chapter 2, the verse 1. Philippians 2 1. He says, if there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. So anytime the Bible mentions fellowship or communion, it is always referred to the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now, you will notice in, in, in you will see that and the communion of the Holy Ghost. What? Be with you all. Have you realized the word be is actually italized or bracketed? Anytime you're reading your Bible, you see a word has been bracketed or a word has been slanted. It means it was not in original. It was added by translators. So they wanted you to know that it was not in original. They put it there. But sometimes by putting the word there, it can destroy the whole language or the whole sentence. What the Bible is saying is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. What? With you all. So this is not a prayer. Please, are you following this? It's not a prayer he was praying. It was a confession of a reality that is true about you now. You have experienced the love of God. 
have experienced the grace of God, now the person of the Holy Ghost is already at work in you. So fellowship is an ongoing process, but you must begin by engaging. God, Jesus, and the Spirit are already in fellowship. You were brought to come and join. So it is not your participation or lack of participation that changes the fellowship. Are you following? When God said, let us make man, that was fellowship. So now you have been brought into the council to come and join so the Holy Spirit is the one that enables communion with God. Oh, those good times you have when you wake up at dawn and you are singing worship songs, you are blessing the Lord. What is making you enjoy these things is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit enables communion with God. That's the second ministry of the Holy Spirit. Number three, He helps us to pray. And he intercedes through us. He helps us to pray and intercedes through us. Romans chapter 8, the verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit himself helpeth our infirmity. The word infirmity is weaknesses or frailties. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself, not itself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be altered. So hear me. According to Zachariah chapter 12, the verse 10, the Holy Ghost is the one in charge of prayer. You can't pray without the Holy Ghost. Prayer without the power of the Holy Ghost is death. Your prayer will be dead without the Holy Ghost. So, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to help you to pray. There will be a time you want to pray, but you feel weak. You feel tired. You feel like you can't do it. And then you just say, Holy Spirit, please help me to pray. Help me to pray. Then you keep praying. Then you keep praying. Before you realize, a strange ability will just enter you to be able to do it. That empowerment is from the Holy Ghost. He's responsible for helping believers to pray. Hallelujah. Oh, you see, the Holy Spirit helps making carrying the presence of God easy. You know, the when um, Israel, okay, took the Ark of Covenant from the Philistine camp, they placed it on cats, right? On animals, which was not the original place. It was supposed to be on where? On the shoulders of priests. But when they went for it, they realized it was already on animals. So they said, okay, let me just. Do you know one of the reasons? Because it was heavy to carry it. The ark weighed 288 pounds. So they wanted to boycott that effort that is involved in carrying God's presence. And that shortcut caused the death of Uzzah. Many believers don't know that in as much as the Holy Ghost enables us to pray, there is an effort involved for him to help us. So, the Spirit of God is in charge of prayer. I'm telling you, that's why we pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit means, number one, do what? You pray in tongues. Number two, 
to pray Holy Ghost directed prayers. Number three is to pray in the strength of the Holy Ghost. So when we tell you to pray in the spirit, we are saying that you pray in the strength of the Holy Ghost. I, you know, some time ago, uh, you know, there was something that, a message that was trying to um, um, undermine praying with a certain kind of energy. You know, yeah, somebody can stay there for like 10 hours. Color, 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 color. You know, people were making mockery. Hear me. They said that that kind of tongues is not right tongues. Repetitive, repetitive tongues. It's not the right tongues. People don't get this thing. Nobody eh, who fake tongues can do it consistently for 10 hours. If you find a man on one posture 10 hours, there's a spirit involved. I'm telling you, there's a spirit involved. So many are making mockery of what they don't understand. I've told you how I prayed 24 hours non-stop. You see, when we sometimes you tell people, I went to a church, I was telling them, you could see in their eyes that they didn't believe. <laughs> you're just watching and you're just smiled. They thought it was a myth. I'm telling you the truth. I prayed 24 hours, 2 a.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning. By the time I got to 18 hours, I, I, was, I felt I'm about to have a heart attack. My heart, it was like it wanted to come out. And I just said, Holy Ghost, help me. Suddenly I fell into a trance and I saw a hand holding a metallic heart with blood in it. And the hand took my heart and put the metallic heart there. And I opened my eyes. That was how I got strength to finish the 24 hours. And since that time, my heart changed when it came to prayer. Since that time. There is a spirit involved when it comes to prayer. The Holy Ghost. It's that same person that was that was grumbling for 30 minutes prayer that person can pray 10 hours and will be wondering what is happening to me it is the spirit listen if you yield to the Holy Ghost he can do beyond your imagination I have studied the Bible for 16 hours before I have studied the Bible for 10 hours it's a work of the spirit I'm telling you do you see that you can watch this movie for 8 hours there is a spirit involved <laughs> that's why you got the strength that power that helped you is called the power of the flesh <laughs> I'm telling you so likewise when it comes to spiritual things have you realized that there are some believers when it comes to watching movie they, they have some strange energy to start and finish and that spirit is their alpha and omega. He knows how to begin and end well with them. But anytime you take your Bible, you will sleep. So the problem is an energy problem. You see, another energy has killed another energy. Are you getting this thing? So the thing is an energy. So hear me. When you find somebody praying 10 hours, don't say you'll try it. Ask God for help. No, because that person is being aided by God. I remember when we started doing our all night, I'll still use that example. We started doing our all night, we're praying 12 to 6, 12 to 6, 26, and then one of the ministers came to join us fresh. When he came, everybody was praying, when he came for the first one, 
Because he thought we were not fire branded. <laughs> so everybody was watching, everybody like this. Ah, Waba. After one hour, we were looking for this guy, I can't find him. He was in the corner sleeping. And we all started laughing and praying. Hey, for example, this one is a free advice. If you come for a 12 hour prayer, don't rush. Relax. Relax. One of our 12 hour prayer, one of some man of God came to, to come and join us in the 12 hour prayer. When he came, he came to he took over the prayer in the circle. Hey! And the ministers were just watching him like that. It won't be dope. <laughs> so me, we were, we were just watching him like that. He was sweating. He was intimidating as if we don't know how to pray. And he's coming to educate us. We were just quiet. After two hours, he left the circle. And he came around here. He took the car. He said, man of God, I'll be back. <laughs> we never saw him again. There's a spirit involved though. There's a spirit involved. You can pray in the flesh and get fans. But when you are praying the energy of the spirit, there's an ease. You don't struggle. Sometimes after praying five hours, that's when you're about to start. It's a power. I'm telling you. It's a power. Tell somebody there's a power in it. So the Holy Ghost helps us to pray. Now, the fourth one is what I love. Number four, the fourth ministry of the Holy Spirit is to mortify sin in our lives. Is to mortify sin in our lives. When you understand this thing, eh, if you have an addiction, the first process is not trying to stop. People don't understand. Let the Holy Ghost help you in that matter. Because the Holy Ghost is the one who helps us to mortify sin in our lives. Now, come with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8, the verse 13. I've seen people come to me several times, man of God, I have an addiction. I have an addiction. I've tried several times. It's been years. It's not going. What this thing I'm about to say is your solution. It may not seem like it's because you want instant miracle. It doesn't work that way. Now, he says, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. That means if you allow yourself to be controlled by this flesh or you yield yourself to the impulses of the flesh, the word you shall die here is not physical death. It means your Christian life will be powerless. That's what the Bible is saying. When you experience a powerless Christianity, your Christian life is dead. So there are different kinds of deaths in the Bible. There is spiritual death, separation from God. There is physical death, separation from your body. There is eternal death, separation from the presence of God forever. And there is also death in Christian experience. So your Christian, you may be alive in Christ, but your Christian life, eh, the experience in it, the joy in it can be dead. And he's saying, if you live after the flesh, that's what's going to happen. But if through, do you see, added, there must be an agency, there must be an aid. If through the spirit, do what? Mortify. The word mortify is to deaden. It means to kill. 
the deeds of the body you shall live. That means we can kill the impulses of sin in our members through the spirit. That's why I said, the key to dealing with sin in your life is not trying, it's trusting. It first begins by depending on the Holy Ghost. Anyway, maybe I'll, I'll say this before I come there. Can I help you with something? Now, many people are trying to overcome addictions, but they don't know that the secret to overcoming addictions is increasing your spiritual life. The more you increase in spiritual capacity, some things leave you automatically. Increase the potency of your prayer. Increase it. Your fasting, increase it. Bible reading, increase it. Your seriousness with the things of God. It starts killing that thing. It starts killing it naturally. It loses its power. Anyway, let me just go on. Now, come with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Galatians 5, 17. Now look, he says, for the flesh lasted against the spirit. Now, it's good to understand that. We died. The old man died. But the flesh never died. And I'm going to explain to you soon. The flesh is still working in our members. And he's saying the flesh lasted. The word lasted is war. It wars against the spirit. And the spirit wars against the flesh. These things are opposites. Contrary to the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Have you realized there are some things you want to do? It's like you can't do it. You want to do it but the energy is not there. It's because of this battle. Anytime you want, anytime you want to do spiritual things, the flesh will fight. Anytime you want to do carnal things, the spirit will fight. So he's telling us there's a tag of war opposing your nature so that the things that you want to do, you will not be able to do it. And I'll explain to you why. Now, we need to understand sin in three lights. Are you following this thing? You need to understand sin in what? Number one, you need to understand sin as a power. We call it the power of sin. Number two is the penalty of sin. And number three is the presence of sin. There are three Ps. May you never forget it. The power of sin, number one. Number two, the penalty of sin. And number three, the presence of sin. Now, when the fall came, or when Adam sinned, he entered into these three dimensions of sin. He was now held bound by the power of sin. So he was now a slave to sin. He was a slave under sin's power. Please, are you following this thing? Number two, because there was, an of, there was a penalty or a price to be paid or consequences attached to the sin he committed, he was under the penalty of sin. He was supposed to face judgment for his sin. Are you following this? And number three, or the third damage of sin was the presence of sin now became real in his members. When I say members, in the parts of his bodies. 
He was held under the power of sin. He was a slave. He had to face the judgment or penalty for sin. And then he experienced the presence of sin in his life. On the cross, Jesus did something. When Christ died, sin's power was broken. So when a man believes Jesus, sin's dominion and power over the child of God is what? Broken. Sin's power is destroyed. That's why you are no longer under the dominance of sin. In the New Testament, a believer chooses to sin. You are not a slave to sin anymore. According to Romans 6, go and check your Bible. So, the power of sin was broken. The penalty for sin was paid with the blood of Jesus. Follow the sequence. The cross destroyed the power of sin. So, man is no longer under the dominance of sin. Number two, the penalty for sin was paid by the blood of Jesus. His blood paid for your sins. So, you don't face judgment again. Are you following? But there was a challenge. The presence of sin was not dealt with. God left the presence of sin in the future. It is when Christ appears that the presence of sin will be dealt with when he changes your body. So in between now till Jesus comes, you will have to mortify it constantly. Some few years ago, a group of guys who came, they called them, they called themselves grace preachers. They said sin is dead. And that there's no sin anymore. If Christ carried our sins and he died and he was buried and they entered the grave, when he woke up, he woke up without sin. So sin is no longer present. They don't understand these three things. Listen, we need to put the word of God in proper perspective. If you, if there are times you are there, evil thoughts come to your mind. That means sin is still lingering somewhere. The last hits you. Something is creeping. The presence of sin is still in our members and they operate through lust. It operates through lust. So, as, see, as far as your Christian faith is concerned, you will fight sin till Jesus comes. Let me show you. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 4. You will see this verse for yourself. That the believer will have to fight sin. You will have to look at sin and fight it and say, no. Trusting in the strength of the Holy Ghost. Now, he says, you have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So hear me, you will strive against the presence of sin in your members unto Jesus come. And the Bible says you have to learn to resist unto blood. So your blood will be involved in your fight against sin. You don't get this thing. So hear me, if you have not resisted sin unto blood, you have not understood the Christian life. Also, people think that when you're born again and the Holy Ghost comes to live in you, that means everything's going to be easy. Anytime you want to say the Holy Ghost is jai. Then you come back. Then you do it again. <laughs> That's very easy. You resist it. You resist it. Oh, like I'm telling you, you resist it with your blood. You want to do it by saying, no, I won't do it. I won't do it. Then you go and find something else to do. Hey! So, hear me. In an act or if you want to deal with masturbation, you resist it with your blood, trusting in the strength of the Holy Ghost at the same time. 
you will delete it. The edge will come. You will lock yourself in the room and the battle will start coming. You say, no, I'm not doing it. The Lord is my help. I won't do it. I won't. Uh, this thing, it won't. It, I won't do it. You open the door as you are coming out. Of the, hey, 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 hey. You open the door. You come out again. Oh, you don't know. You resist it. Too. Tell somebody you resist it. You will resist it. I am telling you. You will resist sin. You will strive unto blood. So hear me. Unfortunately, we were not taught that sin operates in about four ways. Because we don't have discernment, we don't understand. Number one, sin operates in thoughts. The presence of sin operates in our thoughts. That's number one. Number two, it operates as last. Number three, it operates as inclinations. Number four, it operates as atmospheres. And number four, it operates as enticement. So that when these things are crouching at your door, you have spiritual intelligence to deal with it. So we said that sin is still present where? In your members. And they operate uh, in what? They operate in what? Thoughts, number one. Last, number two. Inclinations, number three. Atmospheres, number four. Enticement, number five. Don't forget this. Anytime a man sins, it was because he permitted one of these five things in his life. I'm just giving you a solution. Which means that if a believer does not guard his thought life, the reason why Satan will encourage you to watch pornography is because it feeds your thought. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the verse 6, he says that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What it means is that what you don't think about does not have power over you. I repeat, what you don't think about does not have power over you. In other words, if a woman with a nice shape, a Coca-Cola bottle shape, comes to pass by and the woman is fair and you know you have a problem with fair ladies, what that enticement will do to you is that it, when you see it, it communicates via your thought. If you don't look at it, last becomes difficult. That's what I'm saying. can tell an authority. All those who fell into immorality eh, and masturbation, all kinds of lustful stuff, it began with videos, pictures, which sent an information to their mind. You never intended to do that thing called masturbation. But soon enough, your mind was being fed. And you see, sin, sin has patience for you. Sin has patience. It can massage your thoughts. You said, me, I'll just watch, but I won't do and sin says, yes, it's true. You won't do. That's how it begins. So you'll be feeding your thought. You don't know that your, your thought is just the engine room. It's just processing the thing for you. As your thought captures it, it begins to send other signals. So I said sin operates in thoughts. So you must be watchful of, of your thoughts. 
And number two, he says sin operates in what? Last. That is strong desire. In ordinate affection. That, that's last. Ungodly desires. Because lust and love are almost the same, but the problem is that one is evil. Because love is a desire, lust is a desire. But lust is an evil desire. Strong evil desire. Lust is a forbidding desire. Please, are you getting that? So, sin, the presence of sin operates in your thoughts. It operates in lust. It also operates in what? Inclinations. The things you wish you can do when you get a chance. That's an inclination. There are some of you, some of you can imagine that if you get money, you get Dubai girls. You have not done it before, but it's an inclination. So most of the people, these people who are in ministerial positions, who have gotten money, and they are doing what they are doing, it began long ago as an inclination, but there was no money to sponsor it. So an inclination can hide in you for 30 years. That's why, listen, your motive is as strong as your will. And your will is as strong as your action. Whatever motive you have, it is likely that you have done it. That's why God will only, not only judge our actions, God will judge our motives. I've showed you in 1 Corinthians 4 5. God will not only judge your action, He will judge your motive. So, hear me carefully. Sin operates in thoughts. Be careful of the things that go through your mind. Yes. Satan knows that you will not watch pornography. He will insert a short video of one minute in a one hour, 30 minutes movie of a blue man that you love because the guy can fight. And when the blue man went to save the girl, they had to wait before they go and do the action to kill the killer. So they had to wait temporarily in the hotel. So as the blue man was bathing and he removed his head, then the girl was like, The guy's six packs was there. I see the guy doesn't know that on my bunny. And the guy was just puffing. I see if he doesn't know the girl is watching. Then the girl's like. <laughs> then the guy puts the towel on him. Then you see, they are is trapping you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> so the guy came as if he doesn't know. He entered the bedroom and removed the towel. It's like, and the guy oh, oh. <laughs> See, he's naked. The girl, he said, oh, oh. The girl said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then they just go and pump into each other. Then they look into their eyes like this. <laughs> then at that time, at that time, you won't forward it to Satan. I set it trap. Won't forward it. Was soon video. They are bringing their mouth closer like this. Then you are anticipating. Touch, touch, touch. Sometimes you are the one predicting that the thing should happen. Inclination. So at that time, you are, you, it's like you are eager for the thing to happen. You want to watch the two people. So then you are praying that they, they will kiss. Then they are like this. Satan is setting a trap for you. And it was a one minute scene and it passed. The next one, they all dressed up. They sold a seed to you in that one minute. And the thing is hiding. You will keep it. You will store it. 
waiting one day. So I've told people that listen, before sin comes, eh, it trapped you five years ago, it trapped you three months ago, before the thing happened. So he says, let not the man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. A man is tempted when he's drawn by his own lust and he's enticed. James 1, 13 and 14. So your own lust is what looks for trouble for you. There are some of you, the movie title alone is sexiness. That's the title of the movie. Now, if you've seen a, a movie like Sexiness, what are you expecting? You see, you wanted to go and see the thing for yourself. Please, are you following what I'm saying? Of course, there are some movies you will never expect it, like Fifty Shades of Grey. You will think it's an action film. Once you see where the thing is going, bro, bro, Mr. O. Hmm. So, I know someone who said, me, I won't watch porn. I won't watch porn. What happened was that he saw those soft, soft kisses in the action movies. And the soft, soft kisses, as he started watching more of them, what happened was that now he wanted more. Because, and soon, it's just one minute. And soon, the temptation there, go and check the internet. Go. Sit down, push. Go. Check it. There, there. Check it. It's fine. Check it. Then you, you try to resist it. Before you realize, you have typed it on the internet. Then you delete it. The next two days, you type it again. When it comes, it says, Jesus. <laughs> then you close it. I, I'm telling you, I'm teaching you how Satan has been doing a thing. You shout, Jesus. You delete it. The next two days, you open it again. They hit you for one minute. No, no, no. I won't do it. I won't do it. That, see, that thing is a process. That thing is growing. That's why I said, see, sin never became sin until it went through a process. So the thing is passing through your thoughts. Now it's coming through last. It's going through inclinations. What you can do or what you want to do. You imagine you, you are doing this and when you get the chance, it's an inclination. What's number four? Atmosphere. Hear me? Atmospheres matter. The songs you play around you can stir up things inside you. The movies you surround yourself with, they create an atmosphere. The friends, the conversations you get yourself in. You know, there are some the friends, the conversations they talk about is sex. They are building an aura of sex around you. And it is increasing the appetite. Atmospheres. Sin operating atmosphere. You think Satan does not know that you he, he knows you love God. So he knows there are some things you won't do it. So he will create the atmosphere that helps you to do it. Sin operates as an enticement, temptation. If you know that something easily tempts you, don't give time to it. I don't know how long we have to say this. Whatever tempts you quick is an enemy. Banish it. So hear me, dealing with sin, there's an effort involved What you're depending on the Holy Ghost. Yes. Tell someone there's an effort involved. So, the fourth ministry of the Holy Spirit is to mortify 
much sin in our lives. And please, this is going to be a fight that you will fight till Jesus comes. You're going to resist sin. You're going to say no to sin with the help of the Holy Ghost every single day. You realize that David was always fighting battles. It was only one day he decided to rest because he has fought too much. And that was a season that kings were not sleeping because war was going on every day. David chose to relax. You know what he said? I've fought many battles. I've conquered many battles. Let me take a rest. When a Christian begins to relax with his spiritual life, I've prayed 10 hours. Last year we did 100 days. This year we have even done 40 days. So at, at least let me just relax. The fasting battle is over for the next four months. We prayed 10 hours recently. Let me just reduce it. Let me just do some 30 minutes with the Lord. You are just behaving like David without knowing. It was when he chose not to fight war but to relax that he fell into sin. And go and check your Bible. David never accomplished any great thing for God again when he committed a sin. Never. Just one act of immorality caused him. He caused him his own son came to sleep with his wives. Hey! What's it? And if you check your Bible carefully, just that one sin, he committed murder out of it. He lied out of it. He covered his tract out of it. Look at all these things. Sin is an equation. It will bet another one. The other one will bet another one. That's how your life becomes complicated. I'm teaching good here. So, the Holy Ghost helps in the mortification of the believer. That's why in this church, we'll let you pray. We'll let you fast. In the month of June, don't forget, we are doing a 30 days fasting. From August, get ready for 100 days. When you're Angie and family home, you do it. And you see, people don't know that the Christian is a soldier. He's a soldier. And as a soldier, you must always be ready for war. Prepare yourself. If you're a Christian who does not pray, I don't trust you. You don't have a prayer life. Satan will make mess of you. I'm telling you. See, two ingredients that must, three ingredients that must not live your life. Fasting, prayer, and the word of God. You, you will have to pray until prayer prays you. Jesus says, pray unless you enter into temptation. That means the more the temptation, the more the prayer. Prayer is the cure against temptation. So, if you check, you realize this week, all kinds of things is the tempt you. Go on a fast. But many don't have that intelligence. And as you're engaging in spiritual disciplines, you empower the ministry of the Holy Ghost in your life. Some time ago, I fell into envy over another man of God. I did a three days fast. Stepped in the word of God. Every verse on envy, I pulled it out. During the three days fast, I was memorizing it. I was quoting it, rebuking the devil, asking God for mercy, mentioning the name of the person. I said, God, continue blessing him. Continue blessing this man. Continue blessing this man. It was after three days fasting, meditation on the word of God that he left. 
There was a time, even after marriage, a last hit me. I couldn't explain it. It took seven days, fast six to six every day. Praying close to six hours a day. Then the last disappeared. These are things we do to be able to keep our journey with God. And I will tell you as a man of God, because if you are not sincere with yourself, you'll be hiding your sin and sin thrives in secrecy. Nobody knows. Check it. Any sin you keep secret, it kills you slowly. So one of the ways of dealing with sin is to expose it. Expose. It helps to mortify sin in our lives. Number five. The Holy Spirit enables us to respond to God as Father. And serves as an assurance of our salvation. The Holy Ghost enables us to respond to God as Father. And acts as an assurance of our salvation. Romans chapter 8, the verse 15. Romans 8, 15. The Bible says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, What? Abba Father. Look at the next verse. He says the spirit itself or himself actually buried witness with our spirit that we are what? The children of God. Hear me carefully. The Holy Spirit is the is, is part of the agents that confirms or assures us that we are saved. Have you realized that there are sometimes you can't explain but you just know you are born again. You just know you are saved. Huh? Some unexplainable knowing. You just know that you are born It's the Spirit of God that does it. He bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. It's, we call it the inner witness. It's, it's an inner knowing. The Holy Ghost is the one who does that. Because if he doesn't do that, the time is going to come, you will begin to doubt whether you are saved. That's when you go and give your life to Christ seven times in a year. I'm teaching you there. Number seven. Or number six. He rebukes and corrects us. He rebukes and corrects us. Now, I'm going to shock you with this statement. The only power that the Holy Ghost does not have over you is your willpower. The only power that the Holy Ghost does not have over you is your willpower. He can do so many things. He has power to do so many things in your life. The only power he, he doesn't have over you is your willpower. That means what you choose to do, he cannot force you not to do it. He will rebuke you. He will prompt you. But he will not power you to stop what you are doing. Can I give you an example? What purpose does an alarm serve? Can someone tell me? What purpose does an alarm serve? What? It's what? 
Okay, so let me give you an example. If there is a fire alarm, okay, on the top here, right? And there is a smoke, okay? And the alarm begins to blow. Does that alarm quench the fire? What does it do? It only alerts you that what there is danger. Are you getting that? The Holy Ghost acts as the alarm to alert you. But when you're on the way to go and do evil, he is not the one to stop you. He can rebuke you. He can prompt you. But the rest of them, you have to do it. So the Holy Ghost will not hold you. He says, stop. You, you will see that. Are you what I'm saying? So you need to understand that your willpower is involved in the transformation process. Are you getting this thing? So what we said here is that the Holy Ghost rebukes and corrects. How does he do it? He uses the inner witness. He also uses peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You remember that verse? In Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost uses peace and joy to talk to you. There are sometimes you want to go and do something, you lose your peace. You lose your joy. You want to take a decision. Then you lose your joy. You're not happy about it, but you can't explain. You, you want to make a commitment. You, 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 you want to befriend a friend. And suddenly when you're around the person, you're off. A man of God came to me. He said, yeah, master, he wants to be a friend to me. He wants to be a brother. Anytime I run the, the, the man, the thing is off. I'm just off. I can't explain why. But when I get close to him, I'm off. On the outside, he's wonderful. He's lovely. He loves me genuinely. But the thing is off. So he uses those things to warn you. He can use that to warn you about an incoming relationship. He can use that to warn you about an incoming decision you're about to take. You just lose your peace. Meanwhile, it's a good deal. I'm teaching good here. There was a time someone gave me a gift. The Holy Ghost says, don't use it. Throw the gift away. You won't believe it. You, throw gift. You, throw gift away. It, it can never happen in your life. Yes. The Holy Ghost says, don't use this gift. Throw it away. I didn't understand why he said I should throw it away. But I had to throw it away. I didn't use the gift. Listen, we need to be very sensitive when we are walking with the Holy Ghost. There was a time I was driving. I was going to visit a pastor friend who was not well. I got to a place. Suddenly, I heard it in my inner witness. Pray. I prayed. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Father, for that day. Thank you. I prayed 20 seconds in tongues. A young girl, you know, I was coming this way. A truck truck has parked in front of me. So he has parked and he has somebody alighted. The girl was standing in front of the trotro and didn't see a car coming. I also didn't see her. And the lady ran with, I was coming with speed. I spoke in tongues for 20 seconds. When the lady ran, something held the lady. 
and then I came to pass. And the Holy Ghost says, that's why I said you should hold her. It was an angel that held the girl. I would have not seen the girl would have died because I was coming with speed because I love speed. He used 20 second tongues. I just had praying tongues. I couldn't explain. I just again, Kabbalah, 20 seconds. Boom. Everybody was shocked how this lady was not knocked down. There was a time I was in the hall. My daughter was in the bedroom. She was asleep. And that lady, when you put her on the bed, she can roll. Perhaps you can roll from the bed. Ah, and come and fall. Even surprisingly, when you put a duvet, you know the duvet? You put a duvet so that she can fall in it. She will supernaturally fall at a place that is bare ground. So, I was just there. And then, the Holy Ghost said, enter the room. I, I can't explain it. I just sensed like entering the room. I entered the room. Her head was at the tip of the bed. And this time, her head was going to choke the ground. And I held her, put her back. You know, the Holy Ghost has been prompting many of you, but you don't listen. I don't make investments. Someone convinced me to do an investment. The Holy Ghost says, don't. But the person convinced me. <laughs> ah, I will never forget it. Should I continue? I made an investment. I didn't even tell my wife. <laughs> and I did the investment. The thing was so juicy. Gave me the testimonies of people who are. <laughs> <laughs> my personal money. The, the rest you don't want to hear. <sighs> and I took a loan and added it to it. <laughs> I vow not to tell anybody, but the way I'm sincere, I can't hide it. I didn't tell anybody. I was happy. They showed me the first harvest. I even wanted to go and take more and add it to it. <laughs> After two months, Mishisha Misika may share me profit. I say company not lucky. For Misika, for Misika, mommy. They said something has happened. You know, we should wait. At least they will pay everybody their initial money. Then my heart relaxed. Five months, the money hasn't come. So I did all my calculation because if it comes, I'll use this one to repay the loan. And when I finish, I'll use this one to spend. Hey. Guys, I paid the loan alone. <laughs> I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't. But the thing was so appetizing. So juicy. So since that day, when I hear anybody say this one, is sure bank commission, sure would tea, sure would tea. 
18,000 Ghana cities was gone. <laughs> it was gone. On Sunday, when I take the mic to preach, but they are a whole day preaching, but to be able. The Holy Ghost said, Don't. I still did it. Some of you, eh, maybe you may not be able to recover that loan. Yes. Some of you, that decision may be a serious decision that it may cost you life itself. Don't come to that place. Sometimes disobeying the voice of the Holy Ghost is dangerous. There was a guy, okay, his friend, very good friend, brought him something for him to keep for him. He didn't know what was inside and he kept it. He was there. Police came to the house and came to arrest him. No, knowing the guy has gone to steal someone's money and he put it in the bag and told him to keep it. They were looking for the guy. He didn't get it. And then when they came to arrest the guy, he said he and the guy went to steal the money. That was how the guy was jailed. He was jailed. Promptings. Sometimes you wake up at dawn. You know yourself you don't wake up at 2 a.m. But surprisingly you wake up at 2 a.m. You feel danger. You feel danger. Pray. You feel uneasiness. Pray. Because the Holy Ghost wants to take advantage of that tongue to deal with something in the spirit. Have you realized there's a season in your life you don't feel like eating? I, I, you see, I'm watching my face. Because every day is a, a, a day of eating and drinking. There'll be a season, you just lose appetite. It's like it's a strong edge to fast. No, if you, there's been a time there's a strong edge to fast in your life, lift your hands, let me see. Yes, there'll be some strong edge to fast. Please, it means a season in your life is about to happen. And God is prompting you. That's how many people have truncated God's plan for their lives. There are some of you, you want to pass by someone, the Holy Ghost says, greet this person. Greet him. Greet him. And you pass by. And when you pass by, something was telling you, go and greet him. He didn't greet him. Probably that person is a friend to the CEO. And that's how you lost that job. And they didn't tell you. But just word of advice. Be nice to people. Yes. This one is not part of the message. I'm telling you something. Be nice to people. Whether you know them or not. Whether they look like they are rich or they are not. Be nice to people. Somebody lost a huge opportunity because he saw someone in shorts. He didn't know the person was a rich man. And he shouted him, abused him. That's how he lost. You know, some of you, your breakthroughs are in relationships. Your breakthroughs are in honor, respect. Huh? Nipanyashio. When you are in the hospital, ni achetro na kusrusi ni amau apple, and you are helpless. That's when you know that you are nothing. I'm telling you. So some of you, because of some small strength, so you, you, nobody can approach you. No, hey, Nipanyashio. I'm telling you. Be nice. Tell somebody. Be nice to people. Tell another person, be nice to people. 
finish my message. Number, number, number seven, transformation. Transformation. Second Corinthians chapter three, the verse eighteen. The Bible says, we all with an unveiled face as we behold as in the mirror the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by so transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Though our responsibility is to behold the Holy Ghost is the one responsible for transforming your life. So you can never change without the help of the Holy Ghost. If you have a bad character, learn to first submit it to the Holy Ghost. Tell the Holy Ghost to help you deal with that temper. Tell him to help you deal with that character, that disrespectful attitude. Tell him to help you. Deal with that last problem. Tell him to help you. And it takes time. You can't change in one day. The Holy Ghost will gradually be doing it with the word of God. With spiritual disciplines, gradually. Then he's transforming your life. Hallelujah. Two more. He anoints us with divine power. A lot of times Christians don't know that every child of God needs to walk in power because most of the time we think that power is um, people falling down. So if you've not seen anybody falling down in your life, that means you don't have power. That's a lie. We call that anointing in 1 John 2.27. The Bible tells us the anointing of God abides in us. You have an unction. He says, but the anointing which ye have received of him, what? Abided in you. But you see, we need to grow in anointing. And the Holy Ghost is the one that does the anointing process. I'll be speaking on anointing soon, so I don't want to talk about that. Finally, the Holy Spirit manifests and enables us to use the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost manifests and enables us to use the gifts of the Spirit. Malachi. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit enables us to use the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the verse 1, the Bible says, Now concerning spiritual, now the word gifts there is in Italis. It's actually just not talking just about gifts, it's talking about spiritual. Now concerning spiritual, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. That means no child of God should be ignorant about the 
spiritual things. Look at the verse 3. He says, the verse 3. He says, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus a cares. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. The verse 4. He says, now there are diversity of, of, diversities of what? Gifts, but the same Spirit. So the Holy Ghost is the one that is responsible for enabling the gifts of the Spirit. And we all know that there are at least about nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that we are aware of. What's the first gift? They are categorized into three. The vocal gift. The vocal gift has got to do with the gift of prophecy. The gift of tongues. And the gift of what? Interpretation. That's the vocal gift. So the ability for you to speak in tongues is a gift. The Holy Ghost is the one who, who helps you to do that. Right? Gifts of prophecy. That's speaking under the inspiration of God. Foretelling and foretelling divine things under the influence of the Holy Ghost. That's why a prophet can look at you wearing slippers and tell you, I see in the spirit that two years from now the Lord is about to exalt you. It doesn't make sense. It can only be done by the spirit. Praise God. That's prophecy. So the first category is vocal gift. Second category is what? What? Revelatory gift. Now, under the revealing gift or revelatory gift, we have the word of knowledge. That's knowing supernaturally without anyone teaching you. You can know somebody's lying. It's called word of knowledge. You just know it intuitively. You can know what someone ate two days ago. These are all manifestations of the word of knowledge. If God gives you information of past events. That's word of knowledge. Supernatural ability to be able to know things. It's the Holy Ghost. If it's not the Holy Ghost, how will you be able to know things? Know people's names. Know where they stay. Account number. How is that possible? We have a prophet friend. Huh? When your gift, when you have something and it, it gets missing and you call him, he'll tell you to give him some few hours. He'll tell you where the thing is. But he's still actively not in ministry. He's still working. He doesn't want to do a church. He's just normal. Some years ago, we went fast. Me and my pastor, we went fast. They will come and laugh at us. Because he doesn't pray to see. He sees to see. So he'll just come and laugh at us and say, Charlie, God will help you. Then you go, take his car, you go away. Just like that, he can just see. There was a time one of our friends was duped. His father was duped. And the guy uh, uh, ran to Tamale. So we came to see, he said we should give him some time. The next day he called and described the place in Tamale. He was the one that told us that the person is in Tamale. The locality in Tamale. The description of the house the guy was inside. And that's how they arrested the guy in Tamale. What a gift. What a gift. No, it's beautiful. And even in the prophetic dimension, there are different realms. Everybody and their own. I get what I'm saying. Even prophets, there are different classes of prophets. 
There are prophets who are teachers. There are prophets who are seers. There are prophets who hear. There are prophets who are evangelists. There are prophets who are musicians. So there are different diversities even in the prophetic. So if you see somebody not doing this, you don't say it's deep. It's not deep or it's deep. No, 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 no. Someone like Prophet Kofi Odro, he doesn't say that's here the Lord. But Nanoya. That's his gift. But the time is done. Something will break you. Even if you don't want to listen, you listen. That is his prophetic ministry. Are you getting that? Because he doesn't mention somebody's, somebody's name, that's not me, he's not a prophet. And some also don't know that. You don't have to mention someone's name to become a prophet. So stay in your lane. Admire and appreciate what God has placed on people. There are others also who envy people who have graces. They envy them. Master, mentioning names by heart like that is a nice gift too. Everywhere you go, you get favor. Everywhere you go, you get gifts. You, well, if you don't want to be rich, you'll be rich. Because the grace attracts money. If you don't have that grace, just appreciate what they have and use what you have. God will find a way of blessing you. Pastor Mensah is a teacher. He doesn't work miracles. God has blessed him. If you stay in your call, God will bless you. I'm teaching good here. So, under the revelation, we have the word of wisdom, which is receiving supernatural insight to solve problems. I told you of Apia. You remember Apia? Apia Kubi. He went to his hometown. Christmas day, I went to do show. He was selling pillows and selling what? T-rolls. Those times was T-roll. The guy, those guys, they make money. Those who sell cadaster. Don't pity them. Oh. They are richer than you. They built houses. I'm telling you. The guy made money and went to the village. Went to do show. The guy came back some few days later. The guy paralyzed. I've told you the whole story, right? So, so when the issue happened, we prayed, we, we said whatever we had to say, there was nothing. On the way to the hospital, whilst I was praying, the Lord gave me an insight that he went to his hometown. He never told me. And he went to do show. And one of the people he gave money cursed him with one CD and coins and with an empty bottle. So God, I said, God, what should we do? God said, take a bottle. Put one city and coins on the ground. I said, no, I'm, the, I'm a New Testament prophet. <laughs> they are divine country. It doesn't mean that you doctrinize it. But sometimes the Holy Ghost will lead you in some ways you, you may never understand. And he says, I should step on it. So I stepped on it. And declared that as his pastor, I snatch him. I did the same thing. In five minutes, the guy's leg came back and he started walking. On phone, I was not there with him. We called it the word of wisdom. Have you realized there are prophets who can tell people's problems, but they don't, have, they don't have solution for it? It's the word of knowledge problem, word of wisdom problem. When Jesus spat in mad water and then touched the eyes of the guy, it's word of wisdom. Then we have the discernment of spirit. That one is too nice. The discernment of spirit, and you're able to distinguish which spirits are in operation. Whether it's a human spirit, which is carnality, or it's an angelic spirit, or it's an evil spirit, or it's the Holy Spirit. You can enter a church, you just know that God is not here. 
Meanwhile, the church has air condition. Nice ushers. Nicely dressed pastor. Nice backdrop. Everything is nice. Like fine nice. But you are uncomfortable. You just don't know. It's a, it's a discernment gift. And some of you have entered places your spirit does not click and you went there for them to anoint you. That's how you came back home in the spirit of lust. So, you see, many Christians have not been taught to exercise their spirit. That gift there, every believer can walk. You, in fact, once you keep praying, discernment becomes normal. And the gift of discernment there, it operates in different dimensions. Even in dreams, you can discern in dreams. Visions, trances, they are all dimensions of discernment of spirit. You can enter into a house, eh? and the house you enter, every midnight, you sense an image standing beside you. You don't know how it is. It's a discernment ability. You sense an image. God is using the discernment to tell you there's another spirit in that place. It's a gift. Sometimes somebody can prophesy in the name of Jesus, but the spirit, the source is wrong. There are prophets who can mention any name, but their source is wrong. You can discern it. Because today, you don't necessarily need to use the spirit of God to see. There are helps. Eh? If you know the combination, not to me, yam, the idea. You just drop it like I drop. Oh, oh. Close your eyes. Shake your head. After three days, you become a seer. You know, those times when we were in school, they said, if you want to see uh, woman on the, the mortar, the fufu, they put water in it and wait for seven days. After seven days, then wash your face. Pacho, is there anybody who tried it? Is there anybody who tried it and your eyes open? These are all kinds of myths and taboos. And demons take advantage of it to influence the lives of people. But there are different ways you can see without the Holy Ghost. Today, they are Indian oils. They sell, they sell it. If you want to see, you can buy the oil. And then you can see. Just simply because some people don't want to pay the price. Anyway, then the last category is called the power gift. So under the power gift, we have the gift of what? Workings of miracles. What again? The gift of faith. Now that faith, that gift of faith is one of the faith you use to receive Jesus. It's a certain supernatural faith that makes you take daring acts. Very daring acts that a normal human being won't do. Sometimes God will have to impart it into you to accomplish certain things. Someone like Bishop David Wedepo. He moved his church from town to a forest. That, that is where the Lord said they should plant their church. Are you mad? 
you, you move them from the city to a forest that this is where the church is going to be. The school, the university is going to be here. <laughs> you are describing the place. Meanwhile, I don't have money. That's the gift of faith. Tomorrow by this time, this and this is going to happen. You say it by faith and you believe it's going to happen and you go. One of the people who operated in that dimension is Archbishop Benson Idaosa. He is the example of that kind of gift. There was a meeting he had. There was a baby without eyes. Put his hands on in the eyes of the baby and was doing something in the eyes. He created the eyes of the child of God, of the, of the child. And then he prayed, pa, the eyes came. The same eyes that he drew with pen, the same eyes came. The thing is that when you even see the baby without eyes, eh, fear should grip you. But that gift makes you feel that everything is possible. Someone came from one of his meetings. The person's face had bent. And he held the person's feet, turned it directly to face heaven. He says, God, if this is how your image and likeness looks like, leave him like, like that. When he brought his face down, his face became brand new. He was about to do crusade in the stadium. And the crusade they're about to do in the stadium, they said, uh, uh, they sabotaged him and said that they had come to play match in that place. It was a, they just wanted to ruin it. And then he told them that, they will score them and it will rain on that day. Can you imagine that when we were about to start, it rained and they went to beg him. Then he forgave them and stopped the rain and told them that they are going to score 2-1 and they scored 2-1. How can you say this and not be afraid? What a grace! He was going to preach in a te television station and then uh, one woman who didn't like him said over my dead body, he said then you are dead body and the woman fell down and died you don't joke with him, witches were coming to do a, a meeting, witches meeting, he says that God you don't need to come down I'm here, I'll handle it hey and they did a whole TV interview with him and the witches, the witches said that is where they plan to come and do it, he said it can't happen how he opened the scriptures to Deuteronomy and he said, the Bible says, suffer not a witch to live. If you admit you're a witch, I'm about to kill you. Are you a witch? The witch could answer. <laughs> Are you a witch? Are you a witch? The witch said, I'm not a witch. He said, the meeting is cancelled. Hey! What kind of grace is this? May God give you the gift of faith. Oh, may God give you the gift of faith. Amen. You will dare crazy things for the Lord Jesus. Amen. May the Lord impart the gift of faith to your spirit. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And finally, the gift of healings. Surprisingly, you use the word gifts of healings, gifts of healings. That means there are different healing dimensions. Have you realized that in um, the medical sector, among the doctors, they have different, different specialists, right? There are doctors who, who deal with the eyes. They are called what? Is it opticians? What? 
ophthalmologist. Those who deal with bones, they are called what? Bonologists. <laughs> Those who deal with surgery, I call what? Surgeons. Those who deal with the teeth, I call what? Dentists. Those who deal with children, I call what? What? Pediatrician. Those who deal with um, and what again? The heart. They are called what? Cardiologists. Wow. Hey, Charlie, there are powerful people here. What about those who deal with ear? Eh? Afemaka. Oh. Eurologist. What about blood? What? Hematologist. What again? What? The, what, the, what? Uh, the ones that do with gynecologist. <laughs> that one, yeah, I never do that job. You need grace to be a gynecologist. Speaking tongues every day. How about breast examination? That one too. Other one is for uh, general doctors. It's, they also touch the breast. Hey, then they are enjoying you. <laughs> hey, Tulia. Hey, all the two. Uh, is there a pathologist also? <laughs> Oh, the bottle, the bottles is also for them. That's the. So that one is for the uh, plastic surgeon. Hey. Okay. Hallelujah. So likewise is the same with the gifts of healings. So there are men of God who operate in different dimensions of the gifts of healings. There are people the grace God has intensified uh, issues with bones. There are people, sicknesses that have got to do with blood, blood diseases, blood-related diseases. HIV is, he'll pray for you, it is gone. He doesn't need, he, with ease. There are people who deal with cancers. That's the grace they have for cancer. There's one, of God, one man of God in the early 80s. He's called Jaco. He, he removed the cancer from your body. So, for example, you have cancer on your nose. He'll pray and say, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I command this cancer, come out. Then he, he's holding the cancer. No, you go to the internet right now. Go to the net right now and type Jaco healing cancer. There's one there. He took the cancer and put it in a dustbin. If you have a tumor, he will pray. Boom! Then the tumor will appear in his hands. He remove it. He put it in a dustbin. Yes. Cancers, that's the grace that God has given to him. There are people, blindness. He won't struggle. He just pray for the blind. I said, oh, there are others, cripples. That's their specialty. That's why sometimes a man of God can recommend another man of God. He will tell you, go to this man's meeting, Benin's meeting. These are the graces that he has. It's not because you are worshipping the man, but the man's grace. That is the grace he carries. Please, are you following what I'm saying? Ask the person, which field are you operating in? Ask the person, which field? Ask the person, what field are you operating in? 
Listen carefully because we are about to demonstrate it right now. Ever small hospital. Hallelujah. All right. So uh, we are done with the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Next week we are looking at Christian maturity. I hope you are blessed in this journey. <laughs>